So in this lockdown time, I've been staying at my mother's house for a little over a month now. And it's definitely very interesting because I am in a house with seven other people. My mom, my younger sister, her husband, and their four children. My only sister, by the way, but that's a whole other story. But it's very interesting being down here because I'm used to living by myself in a room in New York City. I bought all this food to prepare for the quarantine. I had everything at my fingertips, all my DVDs, my laptop, my tablet, pretty much kind of had my own little cocoon away from everybody if I wanted to have that. And the weird thing is lately I was sticking to that cocoon long before the whole coronavirus panic hit because I just simply felt like doing that. And I was so bogged down in doing appearances and so forth. So it was like, okay, every time I get home, I'm just like tired and I might socialize a little bit with friends, but not very much. It's been like, I don't feel like going out to parties and just going to random things where it's not really close friends or people that I'm pretty sure I want to be around. So I was staying at home a lot. But now I'm basically in an area where essentially like where New York could be social distancing. What social distancing? Staying at my mom's house is like privacy. What privacy? In fact, I would describe staying with my family as being in the least sexy place on earth. Like if we want to talk about a place that is not sexy, being around young children is one. I have a niece who just turned one. She's actually 13 months right now. I got to be here for her first birthday party, so that was cool. But young children, yeah, nobody's feeling in a horny, sexy mood for that one. I'm also staying with my mother, who happens to be a conservative Christian. So her attitude on pretty much anything I buy that's any kind of length of short or that nature, she's like, that's too short. I got these really cute denim overalls, in fact, with shorts, and I decided to keep one a second pair of them when I was going to initially return them because you can't really return clothes so much and it wasn't so easy. And in fact, I found out that not too long ago, they stopped accepting returns at the Walmart where I bought these outfits. So I'm a little annoyed that I still have this other outfit that I don't want to keep and it doesn't really look right on me. It doesn't really fit too well. So I'm like, I just want to take it back, but I don't get to return it right now. So I'm going to see if I can do it on walmart.com. But it's kind of interesting that in some cases, at least being here and dealing with all this, it's like regression. And I can tell you quite a bit about regression because divorce is actually a regression. Six years ago, I went through a very, very nasty divorce where my ex-husband threw me out into the street and I had to be a transient in New York City for 16 months. I remember I was fighting my butt off. I said, there is no way I'm going back to my mother's house when my father passed away nine months beforehand. My younger sister and her family lived there, and at the time, she had three children, and two of them were under five, and one of them was very high-functioning autistic. In fact, my autistic nephew has recently turned 10, but still, it's like, yeah, your father just died. Nobody in your family has anywhere close to your level of education. It's not right to impose on them, and that was my feeling. It was like, no, I'm not going to do that, but another big reason of that is I really didn't want to come back here and feel like I'm a failure. And I would have felt that way too, because I remember being a kid here, I felt so stifled. I even did doodles when I was in class, and I actually did one of a girl in a jail cell, because I felt so trapped living in Winston-Salem, where I grew up. I was the kind of kid who was like this quite smart kid. I wanted to live in New York City ever since I was five years old. I was like, I'm getting the heck out of this town one way or the other. I went to undergrad at this private liberal arts school in Atlanta, then I went to law school in Connecticut. So I was all 
ever so close to New York City. I also lived in a major city, so I knew a little bit about trying to navigate that experience. And I finally got myself to New York City. I met a guy who was working at a public library as a janitor, but he was also going to library school. So he told me that he wanted to live in New York City. He was from Long Island. That's where he was living with his parents. So we ended up dating for a while, got married shortly before I graduated law school, took the bar exam, moved to New York City, and I was there for seven years with my ex-husband, now ex-husband. And six years ago, he threw me out into the street with no steady income, no friends or family within a thousand miles to house me, and essentially I had to survive on my own. It was either do that or go back to my mom's house. And I was like, I would rather go to jail than be back at my mom's house, okay? I even thought this as a kid too. I was like, if I had to go live with my parents again, I would rather just go to jail. I will find some kind of way, break a law, maybe kill some really hated person that I don't like at all. Or maybe even one of those killings of you're just taking out somebody that everyone hates. Like, I don't know who that would have been in those days, but it's like, you know, imagine if you like took out R. Kelly or somebody who everyone hates, or at least the majority of people would deem you a national hero if you killed them. In the progressive states, probably Donald Trump, but in other quarters, it would be Hillary Clinton. I'm sure that'd be one right there. Maybe Bill Gates at this point. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe the guy who runs the Communist Party in China, people might do that, even though it's like all these high risk, you'd be dead anyway kind of things. And if you have nothing to lose, well, people aren't going to be concerned if they live or die or if they get arrested or any of that. I just thought to myself, okay, I think I'd rather go to jail than be at my parents' house. Like, even when I visited in college, my mom's like, oh, you can't have guys come to visit you. You can't go on dates. I've even had this problem when I was divorced and I was visiting here for the holidays. And I met this guy on OkCupid and I wanted to go out on a date with him and he offered to come pick me up. And my mother's like, oh, you can't have guys over here. Oh, that's not a good idea. I'm like, well, he doesn't have to come in and meet you. He's just going to be outside. So it's like if you could actually do dating right now, it would be much more crazy down here. Honestly, I'd just go back to New York if I could do that. But I don't know how I would do it if New York was just completely impossible to be in and here you actually could be here and you could still go out and you could still do stuff. That'd be way more, way more complicated and probably way more interesting too. But (laughs) it's very funny how some people are like suffering from social isolation. They're by themselves and they'd kill to be with family, have somebody acknowledge them. There was this winner on American Idol I read about, I think, what was her name? It was like Just Me or something like that. And she talked about having to make the choice between staying in California or going to her grandmother's house in Harlem. And I thought, well, she's having to choose between one virus epicenter over another. And I thought, she made a smart choice not to go to New York. Everyone I know in New York right now has said it's not the place to be. But I find it interesting, the whole regression thing. It's like, I'm back here and there's not really so much a space for me and it's like I feel like I'm being infantilized that I really don't have you know it's not like I have much else to do I can see my nieces and my nephews but then it's like oh my sister's in charge of things and my mother still thinks she can smack you even if you're an adult she'll still be like oh no you can't talk back to me oh no you can't do this oh you can't do that and I'm like so you want to dictate when I shower you want to suppress my entire freedom when I'm used to being in my place and having my routine and my stuff I even asked my mom, well, how would you feel if you were leaving your house and you were in New York for this? She's like, well, I would miss my routine and I would miss my stuff. And I'm like, okay, hi, think about how I'm feeling, right? 
But I mean, overall, I love my mom. She's usually been fairly supportive of what I do, although you kind of catch on to things and noticing how dysfunctional your family is and things that you're like, oh, God, this is why I left. And at some moments I've thought to myself, hmm, should I still stay here or should I go back to New York? Do I want to risk it in the virus epicenter? Hmm. I'd have some privacy again. I could have my own room. I'd have my food. But then it's like, on the other hand, well, my nieces and my nephews are here and I get to eat steak a lot. And my family goes out to eat and they'll ask me if I want stuff. But then the other downside is like, well, you're not getting to eat as healthy and you're going to end up getting fat. Because no way to exercise or at least far less of a means to exercise. And food is a lot cheaper here. So it's like, yeah, they have the attitude of healthy food, vegetables. No, that's disgusting. My mom doesn't even like turkey meat, which I happen to love. And that's what I usually make in a lot of my ingredients. And I was actually tempted to buy some turkey meat or get some turkey meat when they went grocery shopping this weekend. I thought maybe I'll get some turkey meat and I could put it in plastic bags and just date it like I do at my house. And then I can make myself some turkey meat sliders or I can make my unstuffed peppers, which are really awesome. If you love pepper. Especially try that. It's really good. I found a recipe for it years ago. I think my ex-husband found it. But now I put it with the cheese on top. He wasn't able to eat cheese, so I couldn't do his portion. I always had to get a portion for myself and then put cheese on mine. And then he'd have to get his own portion without cheese. But it's like, I remember the first time I made it after my stupid ex threw me out. And I was like, oh my god, I get to have that cheese now. Yeah, let's put a lot of cheese on this and it'll melt and it'll be so yummy. Yay! I don't have to worry about the cheese taking longer to melt and not melting as effectively because I can't do it straight off the stovetop. And I have to wait and put it on my plate and then I have to get the cheese and then you can put it on. So annoying. But man, it's like you think about all this stuff with regressing and all these little perks that you want to do and sometimes your family gets in your way. Like, for instance, I feel like one perk of getting to do this whole quarantine thing and not having to get up to go to an essential job or anything like that is, damn it, I should get to sleep late. I should get to wake up when I want to wake up, not be awakened at 7.45 in the morning because the cats bothered me this morning, decided to make their presence known. My mom also has these two cats she describes as fat and sassy. One of them is named Harry, and he was basically named for Prince Harry. He's an orange kitty cat. He's a tabby. Very much a love bug. And then my mother has this other cat named Nicodemus, who's sort of a reverse tuxedo cat. He has a lot of anxiety issues. I feel like Jackson Galaxy should be over here and, like, trying to diagnose this poor cat. Because he's very, very skittish. Won't really let you pet him on the top of his head. He's also got the softest fur in the world. Like, I think he's part bunny. Because he's very skittish and he's also got like super soft fur. It's like bunny fur. Not even cat fur. Like Harry has cat fur, but no, nah, Nicodemus has got like bunny fur. I've said to this cat, I think you've got some kind of conditioning regime we don't know about. Like he crawls off somewhere and he like jumps into some barrel of conditioner or something. And he just like conditions his fur and he gets it so soft. But he won't let my mom comb him when she combs Harry, so... He's not going to necessarily have his fur as smooth and as soft as he could in some parts, I'm sure. And apparently, yeah, I forget. I think like one of them will scratch you if you pet his stomach and the other one won't. And I think that might be Nicodemus who lets you pet his tummy. Except yesterday I was petting his tummy and then he claws me in the hand on one of my fingers and poked down one of my other fingers too, like left a little claw puncture wound. So I had to yell at him. 
He also has had a tendency to pee on things, peed on some stuff of my sister's and ticked her off. And I asked my mother, do you think this cat is trying to tell you something? Maybe he's saying, hey, I don't want all these people over here in my house. I don't want to deal with these loud screaming children. I don't want to deal with these loud screaming big children over here. Get them out. And maybe that was his kitty way of saying, get the F out of my house, folks. Peeing on their stuff. But instead, my sister got ticked off and my mother moved him to her room when she wasn't around and then basically said, oh, you can't leave things on the floor because cat might pee on them. And kind of had attitude about it. And at first, my sister had said, oh, this cat's going to go outside if he pees on things. But then my mother refused to throw him out. I think she felt like he wasn't going to cope very well in the outside world. So she decided to bring him back in and didn't really let him out. I mean, it was, he like fled from these nasty neighbors, didn't really feed him, and they seemed to want a puppy instead. I think later on they got their puppy and they just kind of felt like, ah, whatever, this cat's not here, cat ran off, whatever. They apparently didn't ask my mom about it or make a big thing of it because my mom tends to be one of these people that the cats always come to our house. We did have one of those houses when we were kids. Like we were living in this trailer park when I was growing up, except if you call me trailer trash, I would hurt you. Because if you met me, you would never imagine me having done that. And I didn't really hang around like trailer park trash types. Still don't do that to this day. It was just not something I did. I didn't relate to those people. My sister had more of those friends. She's the one who was friends with everybody in the neighborhood. Could tell you everything about it. Very good at it. That was her thing. So, ha. Anyway, we were one of these people that we had the house where all stray cats would go to. I think this was partially because we had outdoor cats, so we left food outside for them. And my father had a tendency to always give cats too much food. So then there would be other cats that would show up there. Like, I think people even realized, oh, you don't want a cat? Just drop it off at their house and that cat will be fed. Because we had this one cat named Bitsy that came up. And my dad was totally affectionate with cats. Like, my dad, if you put a cat in front of him, he'd be like, oh, God, we got to keep this cat. He was like an overgrown child in that sense of like, yeah, we're going to take this cat. We're going to take care of them. We're going to adopt them. And my sister and I, of course, being cat fiends and having grown up with them, we're like, oh, it's a cute kitty. Let's pet the cute kitty. Woo, let's pet him. Oh, can we keep him? Can we keep him? And my dad would totally let you do that stuff. My dad was the guy who would take you for fast food for dinner. If he had his way, probably would do it every night of the week. My mom, on the other hand, was a disciplinarian. She's like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. Uh Uh-uh. Like I wouldn't say she was a total fun killer, but yeah, she tended to kill some fun a lot. At least a few things like, no, you're not getting eat out food till Friday night. Only once a week, guys. Things like that. Or no, you can't see that film. That's too explicit for you. No. No, you can't wear that outfit. That's not appropriate. I've had so many clothing wars with people in my family. That's another story. But this cat Bitsy came over to my mom's house, and I think he may Bitsy may have been dropped off. But my mother said that the reason she got a home was that when she put her hand out to pet Bitsy, Bitsy would jump into her hand, basically like, oh, pet me, and yeah, you're going to pet my head. If you put your hand down, I'm giving you lovies, whether you like it or not. You're going to give me petting affection. So Bitsy was a really freaking smart cat, like really whip smart. Like Bitsy actually, she had a tendency to knock the water dishes down. So one day my mom decides, you know what, I'm going to get a weighted water dish and outsmart this cat. So then Betsy figures out how to knock over the weighted water dish. She puts it in her mouth. My dad actually said that if we went on a trip, by the time we got home, Betsy would be smoking cigarettes and knowing how to use the stove. 
My dad was a massive chain smoker. Little free advice here, don't get involved in smoking. It'll mess up your lungs. And in fact, when my father was in the hospital and passing away and they had to disconnect and everything, I remember seeing them taking out the tube and it was covered in soot. It was like completely black. If you don't want that to be your lungs, you may want to reconsider smoking. We also think it may have hastened his death, so there's that too. But yep, another thing I've had to deal with is the aforementioned clothing wars. Now, believe it or not, Walmart down here actually has things in sizes for skinny women, and they do have things that are fashionable, which I have been shocked to see. When I first got down here, it was 35 degrees in New York, so I came down here with no summer clothes, had a few pairs of jeans, you know, had a few t-shirts, had my jacket, had my hat, my scarf, because it's like, okay, we're coming here to quarantine. We're coming here to stay at home. We're going to stay at home. We don't need a lot of clothes. Just bring your underwear. Maybe bring your socks. Bring your PJs. So that is exactly what I did. I brought my pajamas. I have pretty much lived in my pajamas. I've occasionally dressed up if I had to go out in a public place or something. But most of the time when I've gone with my family someplace, it was driving the car to go get takeout that my sister would leave the car to get. So I'm like, that's another darn perk of quarantine is that I get to wear my pajamas anytime. We are not going anywhere. We're not meeting anybody. So why do we need to dress up like we're in a fashion show? Hmm? I even had to do this. I was even doing this Zoom meeting and I actually did not turn on my screen because I thought, okay, I didn't come down here to look like a beauty queen. I did not bring makeup. I did not bring perfume. I did not bring my nice dresses. None of that stuff. We're over here to stay home. We're here to quarantine. What do we wear when we stay at home? And me, I wear my pajamas. There's no reason for me to be going out, having to get dressed, doing that, when all I'm going to do is see family members. I don't even do this in my apartment in New York either. I just basically wear my pajamas because, okay, I'm just seeing my roommates. As long as I'm wearing some kind of covering and nobody is seeing private parts, know what? Why shouldn't I get to wear pajamas if I want to? Nobody's coming in there. I'm not impressing anyone. What's the point? I'm not going to date these people, okay? Why do I need to impress them? There's no point in my opinion. Apparently, my sister's kids, however, do dress out and, like, wear normal clothes during the day. But I'm like, if we're just quarantining, we're staying at home, what is the point of doing that? We're not going anywhere. We're not interacting with anyone. If we're not going out in the public square. We're not going in a restaurant or something, not going to the store. Why do we need to dress up? To me, it makes no sense. So I don't. And I am adamant and proud of that fact. I know there's this stance of, oh, you should wear a business attire if you're doing business stuff or you have a business meeting. It's like, okay, if we had a job interview, if we had to do a court appearance, I have, I actually did have a blazer, ironically, that was also in my dirty clothes because I also made sure to bring my dirty clothes. Since getting your stuff washed in New York City is much more complicated when you don't have a washer and dryer in your apartment than it is to go to your mother's suburban home where she's got a washer and a dryer right there. So... I'd also brought my dirty clothes because remember, pack smart, take advantage of those free washers and dryers because you don't want to worry about having to do the delivery service or hauling all of your heavy laundry and your detergent and everything to the laundromat and sit around for hours on end trying to get your clothes dry while being in a laundromat with a bunch of other people at a time when we're supposed to be doing social distancing. <laughs> I also have no idea what New York City is going to look like when we get done with all this because New York City's ultimate design is to cram as many people as possible into as small a space as possible. 
So I kind of wonder what in the world that's going to look like afterwards. I know a lot of people have embraced work from home, so I'm sure a lot of offices are going to be thinking, you know what? We can just continue with this. We don't have to pay this high real estate costs. We don't have to pay these power bills and deal with taxes and all this nonsense. Why don't we just do this from home? We're being productive. We're getting stuff done. Let's just do that. And I'll tell you, the introverts will be delighted at that. Because, yeah, they're not so crazy about having to do these forced social interactions and all this. It's like they can deal with it in small doses. Me, I'd be fine with, okay, let's work at home. Let's be isolated. That's fine by me. I quarantined myself for over a week. Yeah, I quarantined myself for over a week when I had a cold and thought it was corona, could have been coronavirus. And I did this while I was, while the, the second case was announced in New York City. And this was an attorney who'd gone around all these places. And I thought, I'm not going to be like that jerk. I'm going to keep my butt at home. So I did. Also stayed in my jammies, ate my ate my food, had some soup, watched stuff on my tablet, things like that. And now I'm thinking, yeah, eventually I got to also get to writing. I got to do all this stuff. I'm even doing this broadcast host gig on an online app. And I've been trying to figure out, okay, it's kind of like having your own variety show every day or your own talk show. And you got to figure out how do we keep it entertaining? How do we keep it exciting? How do we keep it light? What can we discuss? How do we spend this time? That's sort of the interesting question you ask yourself too. And even trying to do these broadcasts is interesting because remember, seven people in the house. And this particular site has rules like don't have minor children in your videos or you get banned. And I have family members, adult family members, who are very camera shy. So my mom's like, I don't want to be in your video. And my sister's like, I don't want to be in your live stream. So sometimes I've literally had to go to the pantry to do them. So I decided when I was going to do that, I actually put live from the pantry. So literally, I was in the pantry. I decided we might as well embrace our circumstances because we may not have a beach to film at, may not have a hot tub to sit in. My mom has this nice big round tub that I've got to probably clean out a little bit. And eventually I'm going to see about doing something in this tub. Maybe I'll bathe in it, like figure out setting up candles, relaxing or what have you. It'd be so cool to do that. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't have these exotic locales. I don't have all this luxury of privacy. So we're going to embrace our whole being live from the pantry. And if our lives, if you wanted to think of a song to describe my life at this point, I feel like, oh my God, I've, it's like Green Acres. Except instead of the you are my wife line, and then she says goodbye city life, I'm not sure what mine would be and how that would rhyme. But what? Everyone's dying of the virus? The city is too dense? They don't respect the Second Amendment? I don't know what we put, some kind of justification, some kind of compelling notion to say, yeah, you don't want to be in New York City right now. It's a bad place. And it'll make one say, a New York City devotee say, goodbye, city life. There will be something there. I'm not sure yet. I'll figure that out. I got to figure it out. I really do. I actually played it on my live stream of playing the Green Acres theme because if you have not heard it, frankly, you need that little education in pop culture. There's also a lot of other little things of pop culture that I'm like, oh, I wish I could see that right now. Kind of sucks. I feel like my mom has also asked me, oh, so these people are on SNL. How come you're not there? And I have to explain, okay, mom, because I'm not willing to sleep with people to do it. And no, I have no intention of doing that to get a career because I actually do have talent at things and I tend to operate under ethics. Plus, I happen to be a lawyer. So, yeah, I'm not going to do stuff like that. 
That's like, if you think I'm doing stuff like that, I think there's something mentally messed up about you. And you're expecting an angry redhead to do that? Really? Okay, redheads are known for their tempers. You shouldn't be making sexual propositions at redheads. I mean, heck, I'm surprised Lorena Bobbitt ain't. I'm surprised Lorena Bobbitt was not a natural redhead. I'm serious. If that woman didn't have a red-haired relative somewhere in her family, I'd be shocked. Because that is the sort of thing a natural redhead would do. You start propositioning them, you go the wrong way. Yeah, they might start chopping things off. Might go straight for it, just like she did to John Wayne Bobbitt, and there would probably not be much abuse first. It'd be, yeah. Might want to rethink that kind of thing. Don't be propositioning certain people, because they might hurt you very, very badly. And I could think of other situations where it's like, yeah, you don't need to be crossing redheads and don't be asking that kind of thing. Like you're asking lawyers to be marshmallows. You're asking me of, oh, be nice and ask pretty please and prostrate myself before you. You must be crazy. That's like, gee, I even had to explain this to somebody today of essentially being nice and asking pretty please is generally not how we had major change go on in society. I said, if we went by your logic, women would still be second-class citizens and black people would still be in chains. So apparently I found out later this woman had an issue with my friend's use of, I think, the F word as opposed to the content of what he said, which I thought she was calling out on the content of what he said based on the context. And I'm like, okay, so you're calling out this, you're calling out the content? What is wrong with you, for one thing? And I basically was like, yeah, you don't do that. I even said a reply of I maintain the point that you don't you don't put yourself prostrate at somebody. You don't bow down to them when you are trying to get them to do something that they're supposed to be doing in the first place or something that it's in their best interest or it's ethical for them to be doing this. I feel like there are ways to be assertive. There are ways to get what you want, get things done and still be polite about it. You can state facts. You just be direct. And it's like, I make no not, no secret of the fact that I am very blunt. I am very direct. So if you're expecting me to be no nonsense, if you expect me to placate your fragile ego, you're talking to the wrong woman right here. I've even told people this straight up and it's like, yeah, dumbass. That's what you are if you're expecting that from me. Not going to happen. Sorry, you are not my better. I don't think I am anybody's better and I don't think they're my better. And I think the world would be a better place if we stopped assuming that about ourselves of oh I'm better than you or they're better than me because that just takes away your power it's not a good thing at all it's a terrible look but yeah it's always been interesting dealing with my family because my mother and my sister are both also redheads and my older niece is a redhead and they are kind of nutty too in fact my mother described yeah my mother hates anything I watch on television so I've had a lot of opportunity to watch things that she gets on cable TV that I wouldn't get to see otherwise mostly I've been watching a lot of bar rescue I was watching cheaters and I don't know who's seen cheaters who hasn't but basically it's about literally what it is it's about this private investigation firm and people hire them they go and find out if somebody's boyfriend girlfriend whoever's cheating on them Usually they find some evidence of this. They go confront the person. Sometimes fireworks ensue. It kind of depends on who it is and what the situation is. Then they have a resolution, so on and so forth. So my mom, my mom's like, I don't like cheaters. The episodes run in the same format every time. So here's how she described how cheaters run. She describes it this way. 
Somebody hires, somebody suspects that their mate is cheating. So they go and hire this poot head to investigate. The poot head does an investigation. They find their significant other on camera cheating on them and they follow them. So then the poot head tells the person that hired them that their significant other's cheating on them. So then they go and confront the guy or, you know, sometimes the girl, he's like, oh, they, she's like, oh, they go confront the guy and they have a big fight. She yells at him and either takes him back or kicks him to the curb. But yes, she referred to the cheater's investigator, the cheater's host, in fact. She calls him a poot head. This is my mom. She also, for some reason, she's also like kind of gotten more into bar rescue since I've been watching that. Like when I've been watching an episode, she'll want me to rewind it to see, okay, what did this moron do? And then John Taffer knocks them down and then he'll build them up and they do better and all this stuff. And he rescues them. And I'm like, she doesn't rescue everybody. And there happened to be an episode coming up that I knew they, he didn't rescue them. So I told my mom to watch it. And she's like, why doesn't he just leave? Why doesn't he just leave? These people are hopeless. These people are morons. Why doesn't he just leave? And I'm like, just wait. Just wait. He will leave. And he did. And my mom's like, oh, this guy's a moron. And they're like, it's like, okay, mom, it gets better. It gets better. There's more. So then she's watching this and there's all this going on. She's like, ah, just leave. <laughs> now, if my mom had her way, she'd be watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine all the time or she'd watch Xena. She is looking forward to watching Xena on Thursdays on the Sci-Fi Channel. In fact, I think she's scheduling her work from home so she can watch Xena while she's doing it. Her day job asked her to work a couple of days from home, even though she's like, I hate working from home. I need to be there. I got to supervise my people. They're incompetent. They're like little children. You got to watch them. So she gets very annoyed by it. And she's like, I don't have a laptop and I don't have a comfortable space. And my mom's actually on a hunt for a laptop as we speak, as I'm right recording this. So, <laughs> She's trying to find this laptop. She's like, I can't do this. And I don't want to be here working. She complains about it a lot. And I'm like, I want to work from home. I'm looking for legal transactional work. I want to do that from home. That's my thing right there. I'd be happy. I could wear what I want to. I could work on my own schedule and get stuff done. And I'm like, I do a lot of that. Even doing court reports and doing some of the stuff that I was doing beforehand. I can do this from home. My mom's like, I don't want to work from home. I hate working from home. She also works at UPS as her night job. And recently her employer asked her, well, her boss asked her to wear a mask and be an example as management. So my mom grudgingly decided to don the face mask, you know, for the sake of showing people morale and doing all that stuff and being a good example. And she's like, I hate wearing these masks. I can't breathe in these masks. I'm not wearing this. Yeah, she gets home, she takes it off. She's like, I hate that mask. And then my sister refuses to wear a mask because she kind of has some breathing issues, which is not a lie. She's had some of that before. She's supposed to, she was supposed to get it looked at beforehand, but she had to wait until her husband's insurance kicks in, which is supposed to do that pretty soon. He has an essential job as well. He is actually stocking one of the major grocery, grocery store chains down here. So apparently he's gotten a lot of overtime and they actually apparently know how to run a business and know how to treat their staff because they have opportunities for them. They give them a lot of overtime. They make sure that they have water to drink because they have to do a lot of heavy lifting. They've got, given them free things to take home. Like they brought, I think, peanut butter, jelly. I think taco salsa is like a bag that included toilet paper that they were giving as appreciation gifts, which I thought was really cool. 
But yes, people in my family are rather entertaining. They've still done some things that weren't exactly, let's just say it wasn't exactly social distancing stuff. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Oh my God, why are you doing this? I'm thinking, God, let's hope you don't get sick. Because there will be no way for me to isolate if I get sick or you people get sick. How? Who's going to isolate? What are you going to do? So I think my mother's attitude, and actually that's kind of the reason I chose, one reason I chose to come here. Is her attitude is essentially, if we get it, we get it, and we'll deal with it. You can't stop it if it's going to happen. She doesn't live her life in fear. My sister, I definitely don't think, lives her life in fear. I think they live with caution, but they don't live in mass hysteria and panic like many New Yorkers do. Like there are some people in New York City who are just massively neurotic. They would not last five seconds down here in the South. But, you know, people in the South are a little bit stronger and hardier. They live out in the country. I wouldn't exactly call them country people. You drive down from here and you'll see cows out in the fields. You'll see horses. I think there's even a horse farm not far from my mom's house. I have to do some taping of that. They even had like drive-in church services down here. They've had churches go online. They've had all kinds of stuff going on. It's like they've adapted. Most people have been like, okay, we're going to adapt. We're going to do what we have to do. Unfortunately, it's not been as nutty as it's been, I imagine, in New York City. Everybody I knew of who got out of there is still there told me it's a good thing you left. So I feel like it's sad that New York is not New York right now. But I feel like eventually it will get to that. And if it doesn't, hopefully some of my stuff that I'm doing is going to take off. So then I don't have to deal with the whole hassle of unemployment and trying to get that and all that good stuff. But you're going to hear about that in other episodes. And I would say I get along better with my sister at this point than I have in a lot of years. And I think part of that is because she invited me here and didn't want me to be in New York. So it's like we've kind of adapted as we've had to. I don't think anybody's I don't think any I don't think anybody's gonna be like too heartbroken if I leave except maybe the young children. Maybe my younger nephew, my older niece, they might be concerned. Maybe my youngest niece, because she did learn to say Anka. I started saying that, called me Anka. I thought that was sweet. But, hmm. anywho, it's just now a whole little thing of let's see what happens. For some reason, I feel like it's going to be September and I'm going to be able to be down here. But I kind of wonder, okay, what are people waiting for? Are you waiting for a vaccine that may never happen? Are you playing political games? What's the story? I have a lot of strategic reasons to choose to be down here, but it's like, okay, at least I have somewhere to go. I have a place I can be. I can at least somewhat be creative. I can do different things. So it's not like I'm going to get bored and I'm certainly not going to die of social isolation or starve to death. So I definitely count my blessings. I make sure to do that. Hopefully any of you who are in self-isolation, you kind of realize sometimes, you know, you might not want to be alone, but there are people who would love to trade places with you and have their own cocoon of solitude. And that you might feel like, oh, I don't have this going on, I don't have that going on. But it's like some people would be like wanting to trade with you in a heartbeat. So I kind of feel like in the end, you just kind of have to do what you need to do. Adapt as best as you can. Roll with the punches. Because if you're a whiny little complainer, you are not going to last. And I say this having survived things. You got to be able to adapt to a crisis. And you just got to roll with it and do what you need to do. That's how I got through six years ago. And I am so eternally grateful that I did not have to deal with what I went through six years ago, having to rely on total strangers. I am so glad I'm not in that boat right now because it would be impossible for me. I wouldn't be able to date. 
I'd probably have total strangers refuse to house me, so I'd probably be one of these homeless people stuck on the street. Which, by the way, I haven't noticed anybody move those homeless people and get them into shelters. Because it's kind of defeating the purpose of the entire lockdown if we're letting homeless people mill about on the streets, either to get it themselves or be disease vectors. So what's the story there? I have no idea. I'm really curious about it. Like one of my friends said they probably have strong immune systems, so they're not likely to get it. But I'm like, some of those people are not exactly... You know, they're not exactly harmless in terms of the demographics. Some of those people are elderly. Some of those people have health conditions. So it's like if they've got some kind of immunity to it, then we should be studying them. Maybe figure out, maybe we can find something, you know, get vaccines, get treatments, something like that, that help the rest of the population. Just a thought. But certainly stay tuned. Thank you for listening in. And there will be more episodes to come.